Thanks be unto God. Turn with me to Hebrews again that we looked at uh, last couple of nights. Uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, release your faith with me specifically. Uh, <coughs> no man can reveal light or truth to another man. And uh, it takes the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. And uh, utterance is affected and uh, can be limited by the hearer. Jesus said, you know, him that has ears to hear, let him hear. And take heed how you hear. And the measure that you meet, that's how it will be measured back. And I can tell already from Monday night that uh, uh, you guys are hearing on a high level. <laughs> but how many believe we can, we can bring it on up? We can, we can bring it on up to another measure. Uh, so, so let's join faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we agree together as touching this thing. And we're asking you for utterance, a divine utterance. Speak through us, Lord, and, and grant it that it be pure and uh, unmuddied and uh, uh, clear and very precise. And everyone now and that will hear and see it later, grant eyes to see it and ears to hear it and a heart to understand it and grasp it. And we say, Lord, get glory to yourself. Yes. Not unto us, but unto your name. Be all the glory and all the praise. Thank you, Lord, for your good word. Your anointed, life-changing, healing, delivering, every need-meeting word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So be it. Hebrews 10. 38, what does it say? Now the just shall live by faith. I'm glad to be one of the faith bunch. How about you? I, oh, yeah. Yeah, let them mock. Let them write their little stories and send their little ugly grams. <coughs> they just don't know. Problem is, some of them just don't want to know. But we know. I said, we know. Soon and very soon, everybody is going to know. Do you know it? Soon and very soon. But the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, which would be the opposite of having faith and living by faith, faith moves you forward. Fear moves you back. If any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. I like this next verse. Don't you? You better say it out loud with me. 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. Who are we? We're them that believe. We're the believing ones. Believers. Somebody say, I'm a believer. Not a doubter. I have faith. Not fear. Glory to God. 
If you back up to the fourth chapter, what led up to this, he's talking about warning believers about some things that can happen. In the fourth chapter, in the first verse, <clears throat> 4 and 1, he said, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering in to his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. The scripture said, We which have believed do enter into rest. I remember uh, this was about 20 years ago. I was getting on a, you know, spiritual things are so real that they mark you. And even decades later, they're just as real as if it happened this morning. I was in my car getting on the on-ramp onto an expressway in another state. And there was something that had been bugging me about some stuff for uh, weeks and longer, months, I guess. And out of my mouth, just out of my mouth came... Frustration is not faith. <clears throat> Frustration is not faith. You know, if you're talking about what you need, you're not talking about what you have. Right? If you're talking about what you don't know, you're not talking about what you do know. In, the, in His light... You see more light. In darkness, it gets darker. Talking about your ignorance, talking about your lack is darkness. The more you talk about it, the more you're aware of your lack and your ignorance. And it gets darker. But in His light, you see light. And you don't have to know it all. Back up to what you know that you know that you know. I don't care if you have to back all the way up to this. I know I'm saved. I know, I know, I know. I mean, now come on, just saying that brightens you up, doesn't it? It brightens you up. Why? Because it's light. It's light. I know I'm saved. I know my name's in the Lamb's book of life. I know I'm on my way to glory with Jesus. I know, I know. I know He loves me. I know He loves me. No matter what, you're already moving towards your answer. Because in His light, you'll see light. But if you grumble and you gripe and you're frustrated and you're angry and you're vexed and you're worried, you're in darkness. And you're going to produce more darkness. I was getting on that on-ramp and I was going, you know, merging with the traffic. And uh, I like to punch my car once in a while, you know. (laughs) And and, and it was humming pretty good. And right out of my mouth, frustration isn't faith. Man, I just kind of slowed down. And I said, Lord... That's right. That's right. Me getting frustrated is not going to put me any closer to the answer. That's not faith. If I'm aggravated and annoyed and vexed about it, I've got to quit that and get in faith. How would I know I'm in faith? We which have believed do enter into... <sighs> Rest. Rest. Re- got to get out of the vexation. Got to get out of the frustration and get into the rest. Or that's why you don't get out of the unbelief and fear and get into the faith. Can you say amen? amen? Keep going. He said, let us fear, 
Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Hallelujah. Verse 6 says, Seeing that it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Unbelief. Now, uh, the Lord's been dealing with me, especially this past year plus. We've been talking about, uh, is God in control? And we've been on the, the subject of the sovereignty of God. And uh, those kind of things. And the further I go, the more I see how that so much, there's so much junk that Christians believe. Did you know it? There's so much stuff that's preached that's just not right. And there's so, much, so many things that people say about God. God must be the most maligned, mis- misrepresented individual. There's ever been. And uh, people say, well, and the thing is, sometimes people get a part of a truth and they try to make it the only truth. And it causes all kind of problems. People say, well, you know, God's purposes will be fulfilled. Yes, they will. And people like to have the idea, well, then that means that God's will is going to happen in my life no matter what. That's not true. His plan and purpose is going to be completed. The question is, are you going to be a part of it? Because it can be done without you. Or me. He needs us. Don't misunderstand me. The head needs the body. But as an individual, I am not irreplaceable. Are you all with me? And if I won't obey... And and now the Lord's merciful. Don't misunderstand me. Sometimes he'll put up with some of the utmost ignorance and rebellion for decades. It's amazing how patient he is. But it can get to the point where if he has to be faithful to other people or the plans involved, he can replace you. He replaced Saul. Didn't he? We see it in the scriptures. So uh, how many would say with with the scriptures... Or he said the stones could cry out, you know, if these held their peace. And sometimes we say, no stones taking my place. <laughs> right? So we, our, our place is secure as long as we will believe and pursue it. But here, those to whom it, it was first given, they did not enter in. And what kept them out? It was their unbelief. Look in the third chapter, Hebrews 3 and 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. Don't harden your heart. Verse 10, he says, they always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. And in verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now I want you to notice he keeps mentioning being hardened in connection with this unbelief. They hardened their heart in unbelief. 
For we which are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Verse 19, so we see they could not enter in. Why? This is so significant. Why couldn't they go in? It wasn't because they were a slave nation with no training, that they didn't have the right armaments. It wasn't because the giants and the people were so uh, terrible. It wasn't because that they were undefeatable. It wasn't because the walls were impenetrable. It's easy to walk by sight. When you walk by sight, that's all you see. And you say, well, this disease is incurable against the power of God. Well, this need is unmeetable. With God as your source? Are y'all listening? This thing is impossible. With the creator of the universe as your father? If you walk by sight, then you will, you will accept reasons why you can't have it. And why you won't be able to do it. And, and they can sound very convincing. And you can have visible proof. And they're logical. The giants were there. They were big. The walls were there. Right? But that's not what kept them out. I said, that's not what kept them out. What kept them out? Unbelief. Go with me back to Numbers. Let's look at it again. The Bible cautions us, warns us not to do what they did. So it would behoove us to look carefully and closely at what they did. <clears throat> Make sure we don't do it. Somebody say it out loud. We are not, we are not. of them that draw back. <clears throat> Numbers 13. Verse 23, 25 rather. They returned from searching the land after 40 days. They brought back word to the congregation. They showed them the fruit of the land. 27, we came to the land whether you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Everybody say, just like God said. Just like God said. <laughs> Verse 28, nevertheless. And as, as we talked about this earlier this week, this is where it all went wrong. Right? Nevertheless, but... The people are strong at dwelling in the land. The cities are walled, very great. We saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Canaanites. And Caleb stilled the people. He said, let's go up right now at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Say that out loud. We are well able to overcome it. Now, did Caleb and Joshua see the very same giants that these other ten saw? Did they see the same walls? They did. Read the very next verse. But the men that went up with them said what? We be not able to go up. Now, that's about as far apart as you can get. We are able, we are not able. Did Caleb and Joshua ever go in? Yeah, they did. What made them able? Their faith made them able. Did these people ever go in? 
What made them unable? Their unbelief made them unable. I'm going to say that two more times. Their unbelief made them unable. Their unbelief made them unable. What are you saying? They were unable to do it. They never did it. It never happened. They were, their unbelief made them unable. Brought their words to pass. They said we can't do it. They believed we can't do it. And that believing made them to where they could not do it. Their unbelief made them unable. They could not be convinced that they had been authorized and empowered to take this land. They despised the word of the living God and discounted what he had already done and what they should have known he was able to do. Come on, if he can split the Red Sea, why can't he take a wall down? Huh? They had seen wonder after wonder after sign after sign. They saw when death swept over a nation, but death couldn't come in their door. Right? They saw their flocks protected, their herds protected. They had seen this for months. But at this point, at this juncture, they went and saw those giants... Something happened in the, the, them spying out the land. When they went to spy out the land, <clears throat> they're in a foreign country. They're among foreign peoples. They're probably looking over their shoulder. <clears throat> and fear came on them. Come on, are y'all listening to me? Fear came on them over there. That's, that's not the, the whole thing. Fear came to them and they received it. <clears throat> nobody can make us believe and nobody can make us fear. Nobody. No man, no angel, no demon. God won't. Nobody can force you to fear. There's no being that has the power to do that. If you or I fear, it's because we received it. We yielded to it. And it's subtle. And because so many people don't even acknowledge spiritual influences and forces, millions... Of God's people are yielding unwittingly. They are yielding right and left and don't even know what they're doing. Don't even realize what they're doing. A a feeling of fear will come over them. A shaking, a startling, 
a shocking thoughts. And they don't realize it's time to stand up in the name of Jesus and put this on the run. But they won't do it. They won't even acknowledge that it's happening. They'll just bite their lip and, and go, what's happening to me? And, and they'll act just like the world and, and try to get rid of it through every kind of counseling or medication or anything else. Come on, are y'all listening to me? And it'll get worse and worse and worse. And they have given place to the enemy. And he will stay there until you are dead. Unless he is driven out by the power of the name of Jesus, which is easily done. Easily done. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Who were making progress, saints? We're making progress, saints. What did Caleb say? We are well able. Come on, come on, I want you to back up. Was he there when the other ten were there? They're looking over the shoulder. They're strangers in a foreign land. They're seeing these big giants. They're seeing all this stuff. You reckon any of those feelings came to them? The same thing that came to the other guys. Reckon any of those thoughts came to them? They walked by a nine foot high dude. And the thought probably crossed their mind, he could stomp you without even trying. (laughs) Would you look at the size of that spear? Would you look at that? The same feelings came to them. But they reacted differently. I said they reacted differently. They responded differently. They refused to receive the fear. They resisted it. With their faith. And they'd remind themselves that God was with them. And the ten had been doing what they were doing since they were over there. And these two had been doing what they were doing since they were in there. And by the time they got back to the congregation, both of them, this bunch is full of fear, but these two are full of faith. And they saw and heard the same things. Look down in the 14th chapter. They cried. They complained. They said, wished we had died. They blamed Moses and Aaron. And verse uh, 9, Caleb and Joshua said, Rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Do they sound scared to you? They are not scared. The other guys cried all night, last night. Cried. Like little whiny babies. These are supposed to be warriors. They're in the tent going, These are supposed to be warriors, leaders of tribes. Caleb and Joshua, no crying that night. No whining, no complaining. They said, quit it. How many of sometimes you need to tell yourself? Quit it. Quit this. 
Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're bred for us. Modern day translation, piece of cake. We can take these guys. We can take them. See, bread's easier to chew than meat. This ain't even a T-bone. It's a piece of, it's a biscuit. We'll bite this thing off. We'll bite them off like a biscuit. <laughs> That's Mississippi. <laughs> Their defense is gone. The Lord's with us. What's the bottom line? Fear them not. Quit it. Quit it. Quit it. Don't be afraid. Why? Because whether the battle is lost or won hangs on this. Are you going to yield to fear? No. Or are you going to have faith? Yes. And I want you to notice that uh, they, they wouldn't hear it. They could not be persuaded. And uh, the Lord said, well, you know, what you said is going to happen then. Out of your mouth, it's going to be. And uh, verse 23, they, they're not going to see the land that I swore to their fathers. Not any of them that provoke me are going to see it. Don't you notice verse 24 though? But, but, my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit with him. Some of you modern translations will say he has a different attitude. That's lousy. That's people that don't recognize spiritual things and spiritual influences. It said spirit because it meant spirit. He has a spirit with him that is completely different from these guys. And he has followed me fully. And I am going to bring him in. I don't care what the rest of y'all do. Me and him's going in. Does God love faith? Yes. Does faith please? I want you to know, who was it? Uh, <coughs> Brother Smith Wigglesworth was quoted as saying there's something about faith that it caused God to pass over a million people just to get to you. Yes. Is it true that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth? What is, what is He looking for? Those whose heart if you, if you read the, uh, some other translations, it talks about who are wholehearted. That's exactly this. Wholehearted. Whose heart is perfect. That's the word for complete. Wholehearted. You can see God say, God is angry with this bunch. And He has every right to be. Because they have every reason in the world to believe. Every reason in the world to believe. And it's not that they... Can't believe. It's not that they're ignorant. They won't. They refuse to. They're rebelling against him. You know, when Caleb and Joshua said, quit it, quit it. Quit rebelling. Quit being afraid. We can do this thing. They wanted to kill them. 
Now, I want you to think about this. Somebody's telling you, you don't have to be somebody else's slave your whole life. You can have your own land. You can live a good life. And you want to kill them for trying to convince you of that? That's some of that supernatural stupid we were talking about <laughs> right a couple of nights ago. <laughs> it's beyond natural stupid. <laughs> Uh, why would you want to kill somebody that's just trying to convince you you can have better? Why would you? But yet, I've had people write me ugly, ugly letters because I was telling them God would prosper them. Ugly letters. I had a fellow meet me out in the parking lot one time. Had such a bad look in his eye. I thought, before it was conversation was over, I thought he was going to take a swing at me. He was so mad, he could hardly stand to talk. I mean, he's sputtering when he's trying to talk. And you know what he was mad about? I kept using a four-letter word. R-I-C-H. I kept saying rich. I kept using the word. And every time I used the word rich, it's like you slapped him. He's like, that ain't right. That ain't God. And he's hollering and he's yelling. Why do you want to cuss somebody out or punch somebody that's trying to convince you that you can be better off? That your bills can be paid. You can live in a good house. and you huh? Why? Doesn't make sense, does it? That you can be healed. But see what's going on. There are spiritual influences at work. That blind the minds and stupefy. I know it sounds funny, but it's accurate. It's accurate. To where people, any, you'd think any intelligent person would see this. And they are intelligent otherwise. They're good people. But they just stand there and look at you and fuss and argue. and don't, you, you can tell sometimes they don't even know why they're doing it. I know uh, our neighbor one time, you remember they had a little dog. And what we, what we call him? Yappy Doodle. <laughs> that little dog would not shut up, man. He, he just barked. And, and well, once in a while I'd look at him out there. It's midnight. And he's out there going, oh, 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 oh. And he has this expression like he, he, like he wants to quit. He just doesn't know how. <laughs> he needs delivered. <laughs> He's got no reason to bark. There's nothing to bark at. And he just won't shut up. I think there's some people like that. They just don't know why. They, they won't quit talking, fear and unbelief, and crying and acting crazy. But, you know, it's like, help me. I need help. Make me shut up. But we can't make you shut up. You have to take charge of your thought life. You have to get a hold of your mouth. Come on, are y'all listening? Elsewise, if you yield to every thought and feeling that comes along, you will be in bondage. And you will not be able to enter into the good things. And you'll be held out. And it won't be anybody's fault except the unbelief. He said, Caleb had another Spirit. Everybody say another spirit. Another spirit with him. Say it again, another spirit. <coughs> uh, 
What kind of spirit did he have that it was so different from what they had? What kind of spirit did they have? Let's start there. They had a spirit of fear and unbelief. And that caused them to be rebellious. Can you see that? That's the spirit they had. What about him? He had the spirit of faith. Don't you like the scripture in the New Testament says, you having the same spirit of faith. Hallelujah. According as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What is that saying? You and I got the same spirit of faith. Same spirit of faith Joshua and Caleb had. Same spirit of faith Elijah had when he faced down those prophets on the mount. Same spirit of faith. Same spirit. Somebody say, I got the same spirit of faith. Well, then you can have the same kind of miracles. Can't you? You can receive the same kind of things. You can do the same kind of exploits. Say it out loud. The same spirit of faith. Now, we, we must acknowledge spiritual influences, or elsewise we're not going to live spiritual lives. Let me read you something that Brother E.W. Kenyon said, I thought was <clears throat> accurate. Of course, this is, he wrote this decades ago, a number of decades ago. He said, one, this is E.W. Kenyon, he said, one would naturally think in reading our modern religious literature, and listening to the average preacher's sermons, that demons had gone out of existence. Hmm? I'm going to read that again. One would think, in reading our modern religious literature, listening to our average preacher's sermons, that demons had gone out of existence. That they don't exist anymore. Their demons are extinct. <laughs> like the dinosaur. Way back long ago there was demons. But you know, some way or another, they're all gone. Thank God. Hallelujah. He said, or that they had been herded together in the slums of the worst cities and spent their entire time among the lower strata of humanity. But they don't really bother nice people. That's my worst. <clears throat> Have you read the New Testament? Does it talk about demons? Evil spirits? How much? Time or two? <laughs> Did you hear how quiet it's getting? People go, he's not going to talk about devils, is he? <laughs> You don't reckon Brother Key's getting off into that deliverance stuff. Do you? <clears throat> <laughs> Did you hear the laughter? Do you hear? You hear? Uh, mark this. Anytime you see an issue in the body of Christ that people just get, I mean, they go off the road. And just plunge into the ditch and have all kind of problems. Take note. There's a truth there somewhere. That the devil is doing his best to obscure. Are y'all with me friends? 
And so you got people usually in one ditch or the other on this issue of demons and evil spirits. <clears throat> you got one group that just absolutely does not believe there is such a thing. But now how are you going to believe in God? And the same Bible talks about a devil. Right? And you're going to believe in God, but you're not going to believe there's a devil. Jesus spent quite a bit of his time casting out demons. Am I quoting the scripture? Virtually every town he went to, he cast out demons. Sound like it was going on about every day or every other day. You should see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. Have you read the New Testament? Am I making this up? Because i got plenty of scriptures I can read to you right here. We can could, we could take an hour and just go through them. He cast out the spirits with his word. He healed the sick and drove out demons. Have you heard that kind of thing? Did it continue in the book of Acts? It continued. So most folks fall into two categories. They either refuse to acknowledge that there is such a thing as a devil or a demon. Or, people go all the way across the road and get in the ditch on the other side of the road, and they're afraid. They are scared. I mean, if you're going to believe there's a devil, a devil, you mean he really exists? He's real? Oh, demons are real? Oh, don't, let's don't talk about it. And that's the problem. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants. He can operate unhindered. Because you won't even acknowledge that anything's going on. Much less deal with it. If there's no devil, there's nothing to resist. If there's no demon, there's nothing to shut down. Uh, <clears throat> Brother Kenneth Hagin was visited by the head of the church and taught on this subject. I believe these things to be significant. When the head of the church comes to someone and unveils and reveals things, some of these things may happen once in a generation. They don't happen all the time for everybody. They're very significant. They're very important. And I wanted him in his own words to tell us tonight... Is that okay with you? What the Lord told him. And how it worked. Because I believe a lot of folks have gotten away from it. And are not dealing with things and pretending like they don't exist. And even though you may have heard some of these things, like myself, many times. Let's hear with fresh ears tonight. Are you with me? Let's hear like we've never heard before. How many believe we could hear some things we have never heard before tonight. And see some things we've never seen. Devin, get ready to show those, those ones connected we talked about. I remember 1952, I was holding a revival meeting here in the state of Oklahoma. And during that uh, meeting, the Lord appeared to me in a vision. That was the second time that he uh, well, really the third time that he appeared to me. 
First in 1950, and through 1950 through 1959, the Lord Jesus appeared to me eight different times. And uh, three times out of the eight, talked to me for an hour and a half. And this was one of those times. I'll not go into all of it, but there's something here I want you to get. He appeared to me in this vision, spoke to me. And right at the end of the vision, he was talking to me about the devil, demons, and demon activity, and how to exercise authority over them. And right at the end of the vision, he seemed to be standing up about where the ceiling of the room was, and I was kneeling there before him. And, and so here came a demon, or an evil spirit, between the two of us, and put out something like a smoke screen, or a dark cloud, and I couldn't see Jesus anymore. And then that demon just jumped up and down. It looked a whole lot like a little monkey. When I say little monkey, I don't mean exactly, but I mean about that size and sort of monkey-like. Face was different, but body was sort of like a little monkey. And, and he jumped up and down and, and waved his arms and his legs, kicked his legs, and in a real shrill-like voice said, Yakety yak yak. Yakety yak yak. Just a shrill like a whistle almost and pierce your ears. I couldn't hear one word that Jesus was saying and I couldn't see him because of the dark cloud. And, and, and I wondered, you know, just in a few seconds I wondered, well now why did the Lord permit that? Why, why did he let that happen? I needed to hear what he was saying. And I'm not hearing what he's saying. Don't he know that I'm not hearing what he's saying? Why don't he tell that demon to stop? Why don't he rebuke that demon? Why don't he make him stop? Those thoughts are going through my mind. That's what I'm thinking. But the dark cloud is still there. I can't see Jesus. I can't hear a word he's saying. And yet I hear the sound of his voice, but I can't distinguish any words. And so I almost panicked, you know. I thought, I need to hear that. And so suddenly, just without thinking, I just suddenly said, spoke to the Spirit. And I said, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to shut up and to stop. Now, when I said that, I mean, he just hit the floor kerflop. The cloud disappeared, and I could see Jesus standing there then. And that little demon just lay there on the floor and whimpered and whined and shook like a little pup that you'd whipped, you know. And then Jesus said something that absolutely upended my theology. <laughs> I mean, it was different than anything. Sometimes our theology needs to be upended. Yeah. Say what you want to, it's absolutely true. <laughs> Jesus pointed to that spirit lying there in the floor, a whimpering and a whining and a shaking like he's afraid, pointed to him and said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't. And I remember I got a hold of my ear and shook it. I said, Lord, you know, I, I didn't hear right. Now, I know that you didn't say that if I hadn't done something about that uh, demon, you couldn't. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? He said, I said, if you hadn't done something about that demon or evil spirit, I couldn't. I said, there's something wrong with my hearing. I, I'm not a hearing right. Now, you didn't say, if I hadn't done something about that spirit, demon spirit, you couldn't, you said you wouldn't, didn't you? No, he said, and spoke real. 
I mean firm and stern like. You know, he can get stern. I, I, I don't imagine he looked too happy, you know, when he took that whip and drove those money chambers, changes out of the temple. I imagine he looked pretty stern, wouldn't you think so? And I mean, he got real stern with me. <laughs> and, and he looked at me very sternly and said, No, I said I couldn't. Now I said, Lord, that's, uh, that's just different than anything I've ever heard. <laughs> that's different than anything I've ever preached myself. I said, I can't accept that. I don't care if I am seeing you and hearing you talk to me. I'll not accept any vision, any kind of experience, if it can't be proven by the written word. And I said, I can't accept that unless you give me at least three references. And all of them in the New Testament, because we're living in the New Testament. Because I said, the Bible said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So you're going to have to give me at least three references in the New Testament for me to accept it. You think he got angry with me? He smiled then so sweetly and said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four. (laughs) Well, I said, I've read the New Testament through 150 times. And if there's anything like that in there, I don't know it. He said, why, son, there's a lot in there you don't know yet. (laughs) I'm so glad there is. Amen. 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 Praise God. And so Jesus proceeded to get me further in hot water before he got me out. You know, he'll do that sometimes. Amen? You see, friends, what happens with us is that a lot of times people try to figure things out in their head. But we've got to get the revelation of what God's saying in our spirits, in our hearts, on the inside of us. So then Jesus went on and said to me, There is no place in the New Testament anywhere where any writer, that is any of those that wrote a letter to the churches, Paul, James, John, Peter, Jude, any of them that wrote a letter to the churches, he said there's no place in the New Testament where any writer told the church to pray to God the Father about the devil. Or prayed, told the church to pray to the God, the Father, to do anything about the devil. Or prayed that God would rebuke the devil. And he said to pray to me, Jesus Christ, or to God the Father, to rebuke the devil is to waste your time. I said, dear Lord, I've wasted a lot of time. Because I guess we all have. Amen, before the revelation came. I've said I've wasted a lot of time. See, people who ask God to rebuke the devil are wasting their time. That's what he told me. You see, now why? The least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. Now see, a lot of times people would think, well, now Paul's apostle. He's got power over the devil. Somebody specially called of God's got authority over the devil, but not me. No, the least member in the body of Christ has just as much authority over the devil as anyone else. Amen. Amen. And unless believers do something about the devil, nothing will be done. And, and here's a part I very seldom tell because I don't use that part anymore, and I'll tell you why I don't now, and you'll understand it. He said, now, when you minister to the sick, 
Because see this, 1950. September 1950. When you minister to the sick, see after talking about different ways to minister, talking about gifts of healings and, and, and a gift that had been ministered to me, he said, yet this, with this anointing, is the primary way that you administer. You see, you may minister other ways at times, but this is the primary way. In other words, he meant this is the main way that you are to minister. To the sick, that is. He said, now, when you minister to the sick, lay one hand on one side of their body and one hand on the other side of their body. And if that fire in your hand, he called it fire, and sometimes he'd call it anointing, and sometimes he'd call it warmth. Well, all of them are correct, you see. If that fire in your hand, he said, jumps from hand to hand, then there is a demon or an evil spirit in the body causing the trouble. Call him out in my name. Now, in those days, I'd sit in a chair on the platform after I preached, and folks would mark by, you know, usually a platform in a church is higher than this one, you know. They'd stand here in front of me, and so... You know, I'd lay one hand, if, if there's something in the stomach or the chest or, or the head, I'd just lay one hand on one side of the body, one hand on the other side of the body, you see. And it would seem like it would just jump real fast. It'd go real fast, just like that. From one hand to the other. Then you know that there's a demon in there. That is in the body. Don't mean in the spirit. Causing the trouble. You can see here in some of these cases that we've studied out of the, we've studied the, uh, this is the 14th one, I think, out of the, out of the 19th. But on many of them, you'll see that spirits had something to do with it. Now he said, call him out. You see the demon out, or the evil spirit out, or the unclean spirit, or whatever. And he said, uh, in my name, the demon are demons. Because sometimes there's more than one. We'll have to leave. Now, if that fire does not jump from hand to hand, then it is a case of healing only. See? Then just lay your hands upon them. And here's the thing, I'd still keep it right there where, the, where that power would go right into where the afflicted part was. And lay your hand upon them and pray for them. And that anointing, if they will believe it and receive it, will flow from your hands into their body and drive out their sickness or their disease. Well, now I'll stop long enough to say this that I ministered that way for the rest of 1950, the fall of 1950, all of 51, and down to December of 52. And we related here, if you were in the class, from the fifth chapter of Mark's Gospel, we discussed in some great detail the healing of the maniac of Gadara. Remember him? And then in connection with that, we went into some detail discussing, went into some detail discussing the devil, where he came from, Satan, Lucifer, you know, demons and evil spirits and demon possession. And remember, I made mention of the fact that on, in that, that month of December, 1952, right here in the state of Oklahoma, not here in Tulsa, but out in the Southern Park State, Jesus appeared to me in a vision. Talked to him for an hour and a half about the devil, demons, and so on. And he said, from this night forward, what is known in my word as discerning of spirits will operate 
in your ministry when you're in the Spirit. Now, you see, you can have knowledge through the word of knowledge of spirits being present. Or you can also have the discerned spirits. And so since that time, then I've depended upon that. He'll usually always tell me or show me, either through the word of knowledge or discerning the spirit, you see. And so you don't need the other. But up till that, then, till then, you didn't need the other. Now, are you following me? Because, you see, uh, it, you can have the knowledge about spirits, or you could have discerning. To discern means to see. You see into the realm of spirits. But the Spirit of God may speak to you and just tell you that's the word of knowledge of that particular thing. Now, now, like we, we speak about, uh, and I'd had that even before Jesus appeared to me in a vision, because we, we spoke about ministering to that lady out of the asylum in 1943, the first one, and as we were praying, see, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, go stand in front of her and say, come out by an unclean spirit in the name of Jesus. And I did, and she was delivered, praise God. But you see how I know it? I knew that revelation by the Holy Ghost, you see. Are you listening to me? Now, this hasn't got anything to do with the devil. That is, one being, you know, calling one out of somebody's body, but yet it is the work of the devil to defeat people and confuse them, isn't it? Are you listening to me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Glory to God. Praise his holy name. We worship you. We worship you. Now, put your hand down. So ministering there at first, you see, under, under that, with that anointing, I was holding meat here in the state of Oklahoma, and a fellow came over from Arkansas. He was in the healing line. I asked him, what, what's your problem? He said, well, I have TB of the spine. He said, my back is as stiff as a board. I asked him to see if he could move. He couldn't move. He had just a little bit of movement way up top of his neck. His back just as stiff as a two before. Well, I laid one hand on his chest, one hand on his back. And I could feel that fire jumping from hand to hand. It's like heat wave jumping like that real fast. So I know there's this spirit there that, that brought that to him, enforced it, and put it on him. So I said, you foul spirit that oppresses this man's body, I command you in the name of Jesus to leave. And then I missed it. See, you can miss it sometimes and not realize it. But when you realize it, back up and get on track, bless God. Don't just keep going that way. I, I, see, I, I got an unbelief and didn't realize it. That's the reason I said you can get an unbelief and not realize it. I said, see if. Well, if's a badge of doubt. It isn't a badge of faith, is it? I said, is it? I said, see if you could stoop over and touch your toes. He couldn't bend at all. He bent his neck just a little bit way up here at the top. Well, I didn't know what to do. You ever get a place you don't know what to do? Welcome to the club. <laughs> Welcome to the club. I get that away a lot of times yet when God's moving. I, I don't know what to do. If he don't tell me, well, I'm just as helpless as the next person. Amen. I don't know what to do. Any more than a man in the moon. <laughs> and you know what? Somebody said, why should I wait? God likes it to be that way. Because if you always knew, you'd be walking beside, and that wouldn't please God. said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We walk by faith, not beside. If you always knew everything, just what to do, 
You'd be walking beside. Then that wouldn't be pleasing to God. You wouldn't have anything else to learn. You'd already know it. Can you see it? But see, it pleases God, so let's keep on walking that direction. So, I didn't know what to do, so I thought, well, I, you know, I hate just to pass him on. Everybody can see he's still not helped. And so I, I thought, well, I'll do it again. So I put one hand on his chest and one hand on his back. I could feel that heat waves are jumping hand to hand. So I kept my hands on him and said, You foul spirit, I command you to come out of this man's body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Missed it again. Didn't realize I missed it right then, you see. No, hindsight's better than foresight. How many of you found that out? So I said, You foul I said, See if first. I said, You see if you can stoop over and touch your toes. He couldn't. Bend his neck a little bit way up to the top. Well, I didn't know what to do. What are you going to do? Just stood there a few seconds, you know. What, what am I going to do? Just send him on? Well, I hate to do that. I mean, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just try. See, I got deeper in unbelief. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it again. I'll just try it again. That's what I'll do. So I put one hand on his chest and one hand on his back. And there it was, jumping hand to hand. So again, I said, that's what Jesus said. said, call him out in my name. You foul spirit that has oppressed this man's body. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of his body and leave him. And I missed it the third time. See if you can stoop over and touch your toe. He couldn't. His back stiff as a board. Just like he had on a steel brace. He tried to move just, just up at the top a little bit. His neck moved. Well, I thought, man, I tried it three times. That ought to be enough. So I just said, okay, go ahead. Another person stepped up here. And actually with this fellow, I was really uh, standing there. So I, I stepped back like this. When the next person moved up in place, and I'm thinking, see, I got my eyes wide open, but I'm thinking, now, now, why didn't that work? You know, Jesus said, I, I remember what he said to him, because it hadn't been a month since he had appeared to me. And so I'm just, just standing there on the platform, and you know, for some reason or another, somebody stepped up, but I sort of turned this way for some reason or another. Had my eyes wide open. And suddenly, right there behind the pulpit, stood Jesus. Had on a white robe. There he stood. Now, nobody else saw him, but I saw him. They didn't hear what he said, but I heard him. And they did hear what I said. And so, I, I had turned this away, you see, and there he stands, right there. And he put his finger up that way. Almost touched my nose, just like that. If you could imagine, see, he's standing here and he said, I said, in my name, the demon or demons, if there's one or more of them, they'll leave. Now see, nobody else seen anything or heard anything. I saw it and heard it. So they heard what I said because I answered back with my voice. I said, Lord, looks like they said later, they said, well, when you were seeing something the way you look. Lord, I said, I know you said that. It hadn't been a month since you appeared to me down that rock wall in that tent meeting. I know you said in my name, call him out. And in my name, the demon, our demons, will have to leave. And I told him to leave, but he didn't leave. Jesus put his finger right there again. Just almost touched my nose. Said, I said, call him out in my name. 
In my name the demon or demons will leave. I said, Lord, I know you said that. It, it's just as fresh as though it happened last Saturday night. It's been about a month, though. I know you said in my name. Call him out in my name. And I said, I told him to leave that man's body in your name, but he didn't leave. Hear that finger come right back again, right up there. He said, I said, you know, some of us are slow to catch on. Everybody's not as brilliant as you are, you know, when it comes to spiritual things. Amen. I said, call him out in my name. If that fire in your hand jumps from hand to hand, then that means this is a demon or an evil spirit in the body causing the trouble. Call him out in my name. In my name, the demon or demons will have to leave. That means they don't have any choice, doesn't it? Lord, I said, I know you said that. It's just as fresh this time I said as though it happened last night. Just that fresh on me, on my mind, on me. And I told him to leave that man's body, but he didn't go. Never forget it. Never forget it. The longest day I lived. The fourth time. See, this had already transpired three times. And of course, it happened much faster than I'm telling it. You understand that. I'm just telling it slowly so you can get it, see. The fourth time, he put his finger real fast right up there and looked to me like, I was looking in his eyes, looked to me like I could see little flashes of lightning. Just like that. I think I know what Jesus looked like when he took that whip and drove those money changers out of the temple. <laughs> it looked to me like I could see little darts, little flashes of lightning like in his eyes. And he said, yes! But I said he would! And disappeared. Just disappeared. And I got it. <laughs> I saw, like the disciples, I was in unbelief. I was in unbelief. Now I turned and looked at the crowd. See, I, I, I didn't see anything except Jesus right then, though my eyes was wide open. But I turned and looked at the crowd. The man had gotten in the back of the auditorium. And I don't know how long that took place. You know, how long this was in transpiring. I don't know whether, you see, he had just now gotten back there and was about to set out. Or whether he got back there where his, 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 his place was because the building was full. Uh, the pew he was sitting on. Just that one spot. And whether because of the conversation that he just stood to listen to what was being said. So he could have been standing there. I don't know. But he was still standing. Or was standing. Where, you know, just gotten inside the pew, you know, and was standing there where his place was to set out. And I said to him, most of him, come back up here, brother. Now, this wasn't a large church auditorium. It'd seat, I'd say, about as many as we've got here. Or could seat, not as we have here. But as many as chairs, except they were pews. And it was crown jam. Some actually standing back in the foyer there, standing up. He said, are you, you talking to me? I said, yeah, I'm talking to you. Come back up here. So he came out from between the pews, and I watched him real closely. He, he, he marched up the aisle here. Now, there's an altar bench here in quite a distance here because people come around and pray. And, and I'm just standing there with my hands like this, just waiting to pounce on him like a cat on a mouse. <laughs> he came around the end of this altar, you see, and he's heading that direction before, because this line, and the line's still there waiting now, you see, they're coming from this direction, so he comes back up here, when he gets in front of me, I hit him like that, 
one hand on his back, one hand on his chest, just hit him like that, see. Never had time to feel anything, fire jump in, I just hit him and said, I told you to come out and out you go in the name of Jesus. I said, now brother, stoop over. See, I didn't put any ill. Stoop over and touch it. Over he went. He was instantly loose. See, the disciples said, why couldn't we? They had the authority. They had the power. They had the word of Jesus on it. And still didn't do it, did they? Sort of reminds of us, doesn't it? Huh? Huh? See, you've got to mix faith with it. Easiest thing in the world to get back in unbelief. Now, don't sit there and look at me in that tone of innocence. You've done this, but you're just guilty as I am. Amen. You're just a human as I am. Maybe more, I don't know. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. He, he was elaborating on that uh, the disciples failed to cast out the Spirit and get the boy free. You remember... The, the man brought his son to Jesus' disciples and told him the problems. And then, uh, <clears throat> obviously, they tried. But they failed. And uh, if you back up in previous chapters, you see that Jesus had authorized them. Anybody remember Matthew, I mean Luke 9, Luke 10, Matthew 10? He said, I give unto you authority over all unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. And so they went out and they were doing it. They were, they were ministering healing to people. They were casting out spirits and people were getting free. And then he appointed 70 other also. And you remember in Luke 10, they came back and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in thy name. Didn't they say that? But now, after such success... This man brings his boy to the disciples, and apparently they said the same things, did the same things, no results. No results. And this is where new doctrines get birthed. Did you hear me, folks? Because of people's pride, and, and you know, and ministers can be among some of the worst. They, they, they look bad in front of the people. And, and, and so what happened? Well, God, for some mysterious reason, didn't choose to deliver this one. He, there's something here. We, and just come up with all, and, and create stuff, and make up stuff. But no, when Jesus came down off the mount... And the man cried out to him and said, I brought him to your disciples. And they couldn't do anything. They couldn't cast him out. And Jesus said, how long am I going to put up with you? Unbelieving generation. And he cast the thing out. And then immediately when they got back to the house, you know what the disciples did? You remember? They crowded around and they said, why couldn't we do that? And what was his answer? Because of your unbelief. Now friend, this has happened too many times. That we have heard about our authority in Christ. And people know how to use the name of Jesus. But you don't say in the name of Jesus like some magical incantation. Like hocus pocus, abracadabra. It's not a magical phrase. 
were these twelve authorized to deal with this? Were they empowered to deal with it? And they tried it and they failed. But they were still authorized. I said they were still authorized. They were still empowered. And see, that's what happened with that bunch, the, the ten spies that influenced the whole congregation. Were they authorized to go into the promised land? The Lord had told them. He had told them in Deuteronomy 1 specifically. He said, Behold, I have given you the land. Go up and possess it. And we talked about last night when the, the Lord's uh, direction is authorization. His command is empowerment. And when He says go, you are authorized. The moment He says it, you are authorized. But if the enemy can get into your thinking that you're not, and if he can get you to believe that you are powerless with this, and you can do nothing about it, and you can't change it, and just because you yelled and hollered in the name of Jesus and nothing happened, doesn't mean it doesn't work. They said it, it didn't work. Brother Hagin said it, and it didn't work. But they found out it was unbelief. So get that changed. Now you say it, things happen. Oh, come on, saints, are you with me now? Oh, glory to God. Oh, let's lift up our hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For our authority in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for you have you've done it all. You've conquered. You've overcome. You've done everything that needs to be done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You got another minute or two? Go with me please to the the book of uh, Ephesians. Fourth chapter. There is much to be learned about these things. Much to be understood. You remember Monday night we prayed and asked the Lord to enlighten the eyes of our heart and understanding. We prayed last night, asked Him to fill us with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Didn't the Lord say, the, the writing in the Scriptures to the saints at Corinth, I would not have you ignorant concerning spiritual things. Are a lot of Christians ignorant concerning these things? In Ephesians 4 and 27, we looked at this before, but what does it say? Neither give place to the devil. How are you going to see to it that you don't give him any foothold, any place, any opportunity? Ephesians 6 talks about it. Just over a chapter or so. In the sixth chapter, you'll see a word that keeps recurring. It's the same Greek word translated a couple of different ways. But in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. 
This is not about how, how hard you can shake or, or how loud you can scream or, or yell. This is not your power. It's His power. Somebody say, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now you hear that word, stand against? Stand against? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Again and again, folks think people are the problem. They get their eyes, the person's a problem. No, so many times it's spiritual influences. And instead of wrestling with people, we ought to be dealing with the spiritual influences. He said, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to what? Withstand. Stand against. Withstand in the evil day. And having done all to? Stand. That's another way of saying withstand. Stand against. Stand. And verse 14 says it for the fourth time. Stand. Therefore. And he talks about, he describes what we call the... Armor, spiritual armor, glory to God. But he keeps referring to this. Those ten spies, when they went into the the land that God had given them, Canaan's land, and they saw those giants and they saw those walls, spiritual influences came on them. They felt terror. They felt scared. They they it was not just natural. It was spiritual. And what did they fail to do? They failed to stand against that. Come on, are you listening? And and having done everything to stand, keep doing what? Stand against it. Instead of that, what did they do? They yielded to it. They gave place to it. They received it and continued to think it. And talk it and think it until they were overwhelmed with fear. And their unbelief made them unable to do what God had prepared from the foundation of the world. What belonged to them. Go over to James, the fourth chapter, please. James chapter 4, they'll put it up on the screen for us. Anybody know what James 4, 7 says? Hmm? Anybody know? Anybody know? What? Submit yourself to God. Do what? Resist the devil. Hmm? And he'll devour you. I I feel liberated. <laughs> These recent months, the Lord has revealed to me in a greater measure how insignificant and defeated my foe is. And remnants of fear of devil and demons that I had is gone.
I said, I feel liberated. I know the truth about him. One reason I wanted us to see that and hear that again. When people hear, in the, in the New Testament of King James, the word devils is used a lot. And really a lot of times, uh, the, maybe a better word would be demons. There's one devil, many demons. And when people hear the word devil, it's sad. But in the church, there is such ignorance about these things. And the devil, he flourishes in ignorance. That's where he functions. And so he's filled in the blanks of what people don't know with horror novels and horror movies and every other kind of thing. And people of God have this idea of the devil as some virtual, equal, dark opposite to God, this incredible monster. He is a created being who has fallen, who has been stripped to naught. Come on, are you listening? Whose days are numbered before the angel of God comes down and grabs him by the neck and slaps chains on him. And he's not even going to lift a hand against what the angel's doing. That's how bad he is. And he's going to be thrown into the pit. And there's not a thing he can do about it. Not a thing he can do about it. Not a thing. Resist the devil. Come on, put it up on the screen. Resist the devil and what will happen? What will happen? He's writing to believers. He's writing to believers who are authorized in the name of Jesus and empowered by the Holy Ghost. And when you know who you are and you know what you have and you say in the name of Jesus, I said get. It is written. It is written. He will flee from you. He will run away. Now, the word cast out. Normally used talking about casting out demons, casting out spirits, is the same words used when Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple. And that is exactly what you're doing. You're driving them out. You're running them out. Same word. Same word. And they are nothing like what Hollywood portrays them. Nothing at all. I said nothing at all. Like horror novels. People go, demon. Then what they've got in their mind is a demon they got from the world, which just happens to be inspired by the devil himself. So what do you think he's going to try to get? He's such a liar. He's such a liar. So naturally, he's going to pump himself up to be the most terrible, awful thing that you have ever heard. And when you just hear the name devil, you go, ooh, the devil. 
Did you hear Brother Hagin's description of the demon he saw? There was an adjective he used. Little. Little demon. I want everybody to say it out loud. Little demon. Say it again. Little demon. Little demon. Little. Little. Little demon. He said he looked monkey-like. Not a monkey, but about the size. And when he said, I command you, shut up and quit. What happened? He said he fell down in the floor and shook. That is scriptural. The Bible said, you believe there's one God? The devils also believe and tremble. There's two words I want you to go out here ringing in your ears tonight. Little and tremble. And if you'll meditate on this enough, you'll begin to get all this Hollywood horror story junk out of your mind and get your mind renewed with the Word of God and begin to realize what we're really dealing with. They're real. They have spiritual influence. But for the child of God, there's nothing to be afraid of. They're afraid of us in the name of Jesus. On another occasion, he talked about one he saw. And he commanded him to leave. And he said, he looked at him and said, I know I have to go if you tell me to, but I don't want to go. He said, I told you to go. He said, oh. He fell down and he looked back pitifully. He said, I said, go and get out of here. That's what you When you hear demon, that's what you're supposed to think. They are fallen, created beings, disembodied. The, the best operation they have is where people don't believe in them. And sadly, too many Christians fall in that category. Yes, that's true. They're either scared of some Hollywood version of a demon or they don't believe they exist at all. Now here's something, I'm, I'm, I'm closing. And we'll get into this, I believe, more next couple of nights. But uh, you do not have to see a spirit to deal with it. Did y'all hear me, friends? The Lord sent the 12. He sent the 70. They dealt with spirits right and left. You'd have to add to the scriptures to say they saw anything. Come on, are you listening? Brother Hagin just described in detail about how oftentimes he'd just know by a word of knowledge or he'd know that he didn't see anything himself. God could give you discerning of spirits where you see into the realm of the spirit. That's going to be the exception. By far exception. Not the rule. You don't have to wait. Well, let me just back up here. Can you yield to the Spirit of God without seeing the Holy Ghost? Certainly you can. Well, then you can resist a wrong spirit without seeing it. You don't have to wait till you see something if it's trying to deceive, if it's trying to hinder you, if it's trying to steal, it's trying to kill, it's trying to destroy. Don't yield to it. Don't give in. Don't think the thoughts. Don't act on the feelings. Resist it. Everybody say resist. Resist. Say it again. Stand against. against. Resist. Resist. Don't Don't give in. 
in the name of Jesus. And the devil can be persistent. I mean, some of these things will try to come back and try to come back. Thoughts will come back. Feelings will come back. But you just, having done all to stand against, what do you do? You stand against. You never give in. You never give in to the fear. You never give in to the unbelief. You never give in to the lies. You never give in to the temptations. You resist. And if you'll stand against it and not play with it, if you'll stand... Now, you heard Brother Hagin talk about it. You can slip into unbelief. No matter who you are, if you're one of the twelve apostles, if you're Brother Hagin, I don't care who you are, you get into unbelief. Even though you're authorized, even though you're empowered, you can holler in the name of Jesus and nothing happened. But it doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means you got in unbelief. And can we get out of unbelief? Can we get, we can get in faith and we can get it right and we can get results. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Woo! Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can feel your faith. I can feel your faith. I can, I can hear. I can hear some people's hearts going, the devil has messed with me for the last time. I can hear it. I can hear it. I can hear it. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands. Lift up your hands and just focus on the Lord. Oh, lift up your hands. Let's just, let's praise Him in the Spirit. Praise Him. Praise Him in the Spirit. Oh,